Church on the Rock. <laughs> oh, man, how is this possible? How is this possible? This is like a holiday weekend. And look at these seats all filled up here. Yeah, I, can I just thank you for coming out to Church on the Rock. Woo! Before I get going on the message, I'm pretty pumped about two things. We have a whole little season we're going to jump into called Fresh Start. Fresh Start. And basically, we're going to welcome people back to church, and we're going to have a whole month plus. Like, we're going to have seven or eight weeks of just fun and celebration coming back to church. And so next week, we've got a barbecue, all right? This is one, a free barbecue, all right? This is a time to bring your hungry friends. But afterwards, we're going to, like, we're going to mill out there and enjoy a barbecue. Then week after that, we're going to have our baptism Sunday. And if you have he ever been around a Baptism Sunday. It's amazing just to be able to see people talk about how God has changed their lives. We're going to be raising, uh, we're going to be raising food for uh, for neighbor to neighbor. We we've got something happening every single week. A harvest festival. We've got Friendship Sunday. So make sure that little piece of paper you came out, put it on the refrigerator, and pray for each one of those as we have a fresh start season. And then, and then, because of that, we're starting a whole new preaching series. So we're going to start a six-week series on one topic. And, and I, was, uh, I was out uh, out in the wilderness saying, okay, God, what do you want us to talk about straight into September? What do you want us to talk about? And clear as a bell, I know, you know what God's heart is for us? He wants us to be pummeled again and again and again with his goodness. This is going to be about the goodness of God. So every week I, I want you to come away amazed at how good God is. And so if you know some people who are downhearted, those people who are stretched because of the whole COVID craziness, and they need to know the goodness of God, this next six weeks is going to be amazing. And we're going to call it, Oh My Goodness. Oh, my goodness, okay? So to start this, okay, to start this to, to, to help us figure out what, to, what that means, I want us to say, oh, my goodness, okay? But it, it's got to sort of be separated, okay? All together, here, here we go. Oh! Okay, not bad, okay? That sort of sprung on some of you, okay? Let's try it again. Okay, one, two, three. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so every week we're going to say that. We're going to repeat that and just focus on the goodness of God. All right, so I'm going to jump into today's message and pray us in. Oh, God, you're good. Thank you that you want us to embrace your goodness, celebrate your goodness in every different aspect of life. Lord, I pray you'll bring your people back to church and help us to be encouraged in you by your goodness. God, thank you for fresh starts, and I thank you for a fresh start of a whole season, and I pray that you'll give us that freedom to be able to meet regularly and to be able to meet together and celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I remember in high school, uh, there's, I was in a, a, a bit of a, a cheeky kind of a grade 12 class, grade 12 English, Mr. Underhill. Isn't it weird what you remember sometimes? Okay, so all of a sudden, uh, one, of the, one of the kids put up uh, you know, their, their hands and said, Ah, oh, teacher, why, why do we need to take this test? Come on, why do we need to take this test, right? Come on, have you ever felt that? And he said, all right, you need to take the test because you need to pass the course. 
And, uh, and so, so then somebody else says, well, why do we need to pe- pass the course? And he was getting a little ticked, but then I, th- I think something clicked and he saw what was happening. So he said, okay, let's talk about this. We, you need to take the test because in grade 12 English, you need to pass this in order to get, you know, to be able to pass high school. Okay, you need to take the test in order to be able to pass through high school. And of course, somebody said, why do we need to pass through high school? That's a good question, right? Because there's probably a better chance you're going to get a job if you get a high school diploma, right? Right? Kind of? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, I, I got some head shakes. Okay, parents are trying to convince their children right now. Yes, you need to get a high school diploma to get some kind of a better job. And then, of course, somebody said, well, why do we want to get a better job, right? Why do we want to get a better job? And that was a good question because maybe you just want to work at, at uh, God bless all McDonald's workers, but maybe you want to work at, at sort of an entry-level job the rest of your life. And people said, no, because I want to have a better place to live. I want to have more stuff. And then so the question is, why do we want to have a better place and more stuff? Because we want to be happy, Right? Just kind of want to be happy. And then the, the best question, does a better place to live and more stuff make you happy? And we asked that and we thought about that and many of us didn't want to take the test. We had to anyway. <laughs> a lot of times we want to know why. Why are we doing what we're doing? And often what we're at when, and when we'll actually source it out, it's ultimately unsatisfying. But there is something inside each of us that screams, I need meaning in life. I have to have a purpose. I have to have a meaning. Uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, he he researched this. He was actually in the Nazi concentration camps. And he uh, he noticed that the the positivity people, they didn't make it. The negative pessimists, they didn't make it. Who made it through those horrible conditions? It were people that actually had purpose in life, meaning in life. And so he wrote a very, uh, very uh, sort of seminal work talking about the meaning in life. If you are human, you are me- need meaning. Humans are these meaning-making machines. We need to have a meaning or, or something just drains, puts a spigot in our life and drains it out. But the thing is, just like taking the test to just to be ultimately happy, there's some meanings that we live for that are temporary and ultimately unsatisfactory. They're just, they don't satisfy us. I had a, I had a friend, uh, you can't tell now, but I was in a uh, swim club in London, Ontario, and we just swam like, uh, like a, about two, three hours a day. And some of uh, us were called out by an Olympic coach, and that was kind of cool. And I had a friend, Janice, she went to the extra, you know, she'd swim three hours in the, in the morning, three hours after school. So six hours a day she'd be swimming. And she made it to the Olympics, and we all cheered her on via TV and just said, this is amazing, she did 100. 100 breaststroke for Canada. And uh, at the end, we, we, we thought it was amazing. She didn't make it out of the first heat. I think she got 43rd in the world or something, which is kind of cool. You know, 43rd in the world. And I remember we, we held a party for balloons and everything when she came back. Hey, Janice, that's amazing. All that kind of stuff. And then, I, you know, then we all went off and ate cake and all the stuff that athletes aren't supposed to do. And, and uh, I remember talking to her. I said, so what was it like? Oh, it was cool in the village and the cool. And so how do you feel? You know what her answer was? I kind of feel empty. Empty? You just made it to the Olympics. She said, I just gave 
five years of my life for that moment, right? And now it's over. Kind of don't know what to do next. And sometimes it just sort of focused to me that some of the purposes that we have in our lives, some of the meetings that we have that we strive for for years and years and years, all of a sudden when it's done, when we've got it, when, when we've got the job, when we've got the person, we've got whatever you need, the house, all of a sudden you, you pull back and you go, wow, that is ultimately unsatisfactory. So humans need meaning that sort of outlive us. There's an anthropologist called Charles Taylor who wrote a big, huge tome on uh, secularism. And he said those who sort of in the world, those who, who, who don't believe in a God, and, and, and we love everyone that does not believe in a God. Just, we love everyone here. But the thing is those that don't believe in a God, it, it's hard for them to, to live with a, a bigger meaning. And he wrote it this way, without transcendent meaning. The, secular, the secularism creates multiple meanings in the immediate. In, in other words, if you don't have something that, that can outlive your life forever, you're, you're going to try and make up these multiple things that are just sort of temporary, that, 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 that try and vie for your attention. And so the world now has this competition for our attention, trying to push on us uh, issues. And, and various, they all have temporary meanings. And in the middle of this, we get exhausted and they, they just feel fleeting and fragile. Because there's always another thing to become aware, aware of. There's another th uh, thing always to fight for. There's always something to be angry about. And if we're aware of so much pain, and we fight for so many things, and we're angry about so many things that apparently have no ultimate solution, we just end up, end up angry and empty. After chasing multiple temporary meetings, our souls end up angry and empty. Here's the deal. You know why you feel you have meaning in your life, you need purpose? Because God planted that there. He has something bigger for you to live for. He has something ultimate, transcendent. He has something amazing for you to live for. And he has put that in this world. He's given you purpose beyond this world. God is in the purpose of rescuing his, his children. He wants to draw the world to, to himself. He loves the whole world. And he is drawing everyone to himself. And he loves every one of those people. He does tremendously. And the thing is, you know who, how he's decided to, to, to win the world? He's decided the only method he's going to use is us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? The only method he is going to win the world through, he's not doing skywriting. He's not doing angel choirs, okay, that happen at Christmas no more. Okay, he is only doing it through his people. So each one of us carries that ultimate meaning of seeing God work and drawing the world to himself. To be able to see people reached for him and then transformed into his image. To experience his peace. Come on, don't you experience peace in Jesus? I need some, some noise here, people. Do you experience any joy as you worship? Do you? Like, I want the world to feel that. Feeling the, the, the release of guilt. It is amazing. God is rescuing the world, and he is only using us to reach the lost and transform us into this living relationship. And that's what we're doing here at Church on the Rock. I believe what we're doing here at Church on the Rock is the most meaningful thing in the entire planet. Entire planet. And the beautiful thing is, the meaning that we can do here together 
is eternal. When we change one life, it's forever. You know what else is great? You don't have to have great skills. Look at me. You, can, you, just have to, you just have to be a warm body and God will use you. He will fill you with the skills and the gifts that you need to do. Any kind of age, he will use you at any age to have ultimate meaning, to be able to see people be reached for him. So before we start the new year, before we start the whole goodness of God thing and, and the fresh start season, I want us to be reminded, these, this is primarily for Christians. If you're on your way to God, that's awesome. I hope you, we're going to sort of give you a little peek about what makes our heart beat, about why we do what we do. But Christians, Christian, this is why we do what we do. And I'm going to start in with a story that Jesus told, Matthew chapter 25. By the way, if, uh, if you do have the Bible, especially at home, they might be a bit more light. You might have, have that and, and take some notes. I know uh, we, we read everything through the Bible because we believe ultimately the authority of God comes through his word. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, this is Jesus speaking, verse 14 to 15. Again, he says, he talks about the kingdom of God. And again, it would be like a man going on a journey when he called his servants and trusted his wealth to them. One he gave five bags of gold to another two, and another to one, each according to his ability. In other words, the, the, the king is going away. He won't be present anymore. Okay, Jesus isn't on this planet anymore. He's going away. So he gives to all our servants. Are you a Christian? Are, are you a believer? Then you're his servant. You're a servant. So now he gives one person five bags of gold, another two bags of gold. Somebody gets one. You go, hold on, that's not fair. Isn't that fair? That's not fair. No, this is called reality, okay? It's just reality, okay? Some people have more opportunities. Some people have more gifts. That's okay. You'll find at the end, none of them get to keep it, right? None of them get to keep it. They just get to invest it. That's the idea. So if you have great opportunity, you have great background, you have, like, you, you are smart, you've got all these gifts, guess what, you get five bags of gold, and guess what, you don't get to keep that, your job is now, you have to invest all five, and you go, oh, Dave, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a one bag of gold kind of guy, well, invest that one bag of gold as much as you can, and so, and, and it's all God's wealth, all God's wealth, different levels, different opportunities, all right, Matthew 25, 16, 18, the man who received the five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work. To work. He, he, th this is a key word in this passage. He's actually putting some time into this. And he gave five bags more. Wow, that's great. He doubled the investment. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. Dug a hole in the ground <laughs> and hid his master's money. Again, this gold is not just about money. It's about your time. It's your talents. It's your abilities. It's just all who you are. The, the gold is just symbolic of all that stuff. So some worked and multiplied. One did absolutely nothing. I'm not sure how long it took to, to gain another five bags of gold. Let's say it took longer than a week. Let's say it took several months, maybe a couple years. Okay, so as these people are investing several years into the kingdom, one person is doing what? For several years. Nothing, absolutely nothing for several years as other people are working and investing God's wealth. And the one guy said, well, you know what? I'm just deciding not to do anything with it. Matthew 25, 21. And uh, what happens now? They come back. 
And uh, his master replied, says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is a person with the five bags. He comes back and said, listen, I've, I've actually taken the things that you have given me, your stuff. I've turned it around and, and worked with it to see things uh, work uh, in the lives of other people. And he says, you've been faithful. You've been faithful with a few things. Guess what? I'm going to give you more opportunities. I believe it's not only more opportunities here on earth, but opportunities in heaven. A lot of people think heaven's going to be boring. It's like playing harp on a cloud. It so is not. That work is a part of who we are. It, it was given to us before the fall. And so in heaven, we're going to be given things to do. I don't know what it is. It's going to be fun to find out. But it's going to be ultimately fulfilling a forever of fulfillment. And so not only that, he says, okay, so here on earth you've been faithful. Now I'm going to give you more things to do. Enter your, your master's happiness. Isn't that good? Isn't being with Jesus is our happiness. Thank you. Thank you. Let's try that again a little, a little slower, right? Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Being with Jesus is our it's our happiness. All right, I'm going to give you every more. Because guess what? When I am used by God to, to help other people, guess what happens as a payoff? I get this fulfillment that just comes into me. I go, oh, this is amazing. I feel, I, you know, woo, I want to do more of that. Actually, I helped somebody, and it, it, it actually was helpful. And I prayed with somebody, and they said, wow, that is exactly what I needed. I encouraged a little kid, and they gave me the big kid smile. And it's like, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Okay. Faithfulness is the key. It's all God's money, all God's intelligence, all God's time, all God's effort. All is like that. And then Matthew 25, 24 to 28. We're all happy about this part of the story and we wish that Jesus would put a period at this and move on, don't we? But he continues on. <laughs> then there's a man who received one bag of gold. Master, he said, notice, notice the difference. I knew you were a hard man. He doesn't like God. He thinks God is this mean person. Why, why, does, why does the guy think he's a mean person? He, he's going to say why he thinks he's a mean person. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. You want me to do stuff? And you're not coming down and doing anything Ah, it's so hard. Okay, picture, picture. Don't, don't think about people specifically. So I was afraid. Why? Because serving Jesus inherently has risk to it, doesn't it? You're risking your time. You're risking your resources. You're risking your boldness when you actually go up and pray with people. You're, it takes risk. So he's afraid. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See? See? Here's what belongs to you. And you think God goes, oh, that's okay. Because a lot of people think God is a great grandfather and this guy goes, oh, at least you didn't lose it. Let's find out what God's really like. Then the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So what, what's the sin here? Was the person immoral? Did they murder someone? Were they immoral? No. Did, did they murder someone? No. 
Were they telling lies? No. Guess, guess what was the only, the only sin here? Was inaction. That was the only sin. You wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown, gathered where I have not scattered seed. In other words, I'm depending on you to do what I'm asking you to do. Well then, you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. And then he follows that up saying those who have more will be given more. If you do well with the opportunities God gives you, he's going to give you more opportunities. And if you do not do anything with the opportunities God was, will give to you, he will take future opportunities away from you. Servant had a completely wrong perspective of who God is. Everybody else, let's, let's be happy, happy. Let's celebrate. Celebrate. Where the guy says, that you are making me do things. It's interesting judgment. Judgment was a removal of future opportunities. Wouldn't that be something else? I, I don't think about this too much, it'll wreck you, but getting into heaven. So, I gave you an opportunity to do this. What you do with it? Ah, nothing. I was going to have you. How about this? I gave you another one, right? And, and you, okay. I was going to give you these further opportunities. Come on. Not quite enter the happiness, but come on. God has given us eternal meaning. Every these, I'm talking to believers here. Hey, he has given us, when we spend our, our time, our money, our intelligence, our boldness, and focus on eternal things, we are given more opportunities. We are rewarded and, got, and rewarded with good pleasure and rewarded in heaven. And guess, you know, when, if you've read the Bible, get tell, you, you know what's the one thing that Jesus keeps on talking about treasures in heaven? I think you know this. I'm just going to say, they will never go away. You can't, you know, the bank account's never going to be emptied. They will never go away. I remember figuring this out when I was a teenager. I said, hold on, hold on. If, if I give money away, if I give my time away, if, if, if I focus my talents to help other people, you mean I get stuff forever? Like, I'm a teenager, right? I get stuff forever? Why would I live my life anywhere else? I'm in, man. I'm like investing the whole thing. I'm going to invest my life in this. What a deal. You do get to take it with you. Man, I am stocking it up as much as I can because this world is temporary and the other world is eternal. And guess what? In the midst of it, I get my, my father's happiness. I get the joy of being used by God. This is a win-win. Man, I just want to give my life to serve him. This is amazing. And this is what I spent my life doing. And I have some seasons... Well, I'm not good at it. Come on, we're human, right? There's some seasons where God uses me. And I wish I could live that season my whole life. It is something else to have a hurting person. And God works through you to help that person. Or to train somebody in leadership. Or to help somebody figure something out. It is something else. And you step back and say, God, why did you use me? This is amazing. I get to enter into the happiness of God 
already. So why isn't the entire Christian population doing this, right? <laughs> we are at Church on the Rock. We are. But why isn't the entire Christian population doing this? Huh. It, it's, it's interesting because there, there's this one, one quote that, that goes around my head a lot by a guy called Jim Elliott, I think. I went to the same undergrad school as Jim Elliott did. Jim Elliott and, and, and a, a man named Saint, they were missionaries. They went down to help the Aka Indians. They were killed uh, on the beaches there. And uh, he, uh, he was a, quite an intelligent young man, and he gave this quote. This is what he quoted. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, our money, our time, our possessions, our, our abilities, our focus. We can't keep all that anyway. To gain what we'll never lose. You're no fool if you give your life to that. I think one of the reasons is, is the spiritual battle. I think it's a spiritual thing. How does the evil one try to, to unplug us? There's a lot of ways, but as I was preparing this message, one came very clear. It's in Matthew 13, 22. And, and, and here's, here's a story, another parable that Jesus talked about. And the same kind of parable, he talks about different groups of people. But this one, that's, uh, the sower is sowing out the word, the, word, the, the seeds are, are the word of God. And sometimes they bounce along uh, on the side and the evil one takes away. In other words, there's some people that come and uh, you go, oh, you should, you should find out about Jesus. And they're kind of, nah, I, I'm not interested. And the evil one takes it away, and there's no, they have no life. Some, some sort, of, sort of get there and go, this is amazing. And then they, they, they lose their faith. They lose their faith along the way. But then there's some, there's some that grow and are alive. They're not dead. They, they, haven't, they, they haven't died. All right? These are alive believers. Matthew 13, 22, the seed falling amongst thorns. Refers to somebody who hears the word. But the worries of life, this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. And do they, do they become spiritually dead? No, no. You know what the worst thing is in this situation? It makes them unfruitful. That's it. You can live your whole life and not be fruitful. And, and what is this evil again? Is it the sin of gambling? <laughs> it's, it's life. It's mortgage payments. It's drain pipes, which my house busted one a couple weeks ago. It's marks on exams. It's boyfriends. It's trips that we take, leaky roofs, sizes of our bank accounts, the kind of car we drive, kids' hockey games. Life. Now, is any of these things evil? No, I fixed my drain and fixed the, <laughs> the leaking roof too. <laughs> oh, older houses, I guess. <sighs> but you know, there's a difference. To some people, some people, the house, the trip, become the thing, right? The kids' hockey game become the thing. 
the job, the thing. The bank account, the thing. You know people like that, right? Politics become the thing. (laughs) And guess what? God wants to be the thing. He does. God wants to be the thing. The thing they think about, you dream about. You get up and, and talk to him. You memorize his word to get it in your soul. You come to, to worship and you worship. He wants to be the thing. In fact, he says if anything else is the thing. This is Old Testament thought here. What, what's it called? It begins with I and ends with dolatry. <laughs> Putting that out there, okay? Just putting that out there. If anything else is a sin, what's it called? Idolatry. We are worshiping other things because God asks to be the thing. I, I came across this, uh, this quote. Um, yeah. It was something else. It was from an old course I, I took when I was a teenager. And here's the quote. It says this, idolatry. It gives a definition of idolatry. If you're taking notes, especially if you're at home, you might have some some notes you can take. I see some people bring books. Thanks for doing that. Idolatry is trusting in people, possessions, or positions to do for me what only God can do. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that do a work in your soul? I'm going to trust in a person to bring me the joy and the peace that I need. You'll find out that person will always disappoint you. If you look for happiness and security in your possessions, they will always be taken away. Trusting in people, possessions, or positions to do for me what only God can do. If the evil one can distract us, the good news doesn't go out. No one builds a loving relationship with Jesus. Our children take on the world's value. Boom, and then boom, it's over. Boom, it's over. I have a really good friend. I, I'm, I said I wouldn't put it on social media, but I just found out this week. A really good friend of mine in his 40s. Uh, got two little kids. Um... Just found out he's got cancer. And, and like several places. and They're, they're going to go through and I, I pray for him every day. And I think some people are incensed. God, why would you let that? Okay, can I let you know God doesn't owe us anything. God does not owe you one more breath. Uh, my, my question isn't, God, why is he dying my question is this. What did he do with the five bags he was given? Because guess what? He's going to go sometime, right? I, that's not callous. That's just the truth. I'm going to die. I need to know. The, 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 the question, when I die, if, if I were to die tomorrow, I, I hope, oh, he was too young. I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, you know what? The question it should be in our, our minds is, how did Dave do with it, the bags of gold he was given with the moments he had on this planet? And maybe this is why this so is affecting my soul. We've got to make God the thing. Got to make God the thing. 
So we need to invest in eternity. We need to invest in eternities. Can we just say that, invest in eternity? I know it's not on the screen, but let's, I, 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 you've got good memories, all right? Invest in eternity. I think we should squander God's money. Just squander God's money on eternity. It all comes back anyway. You know what? All the money I've given out, it's like I don't even miss it, right? Those of you who are faithful givers, do you go, oh, man, I wish I had that? No, you don't, do you? You go, wow, yeah, I guess I did get that, right? That's awesome. Just, just give it all away. Just keep on shoving away. Squander God's money. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people, David is saying. And he's, he's, he's in this whole kind of, of, of yeah, trying to, trying to see his people in a building pro project themselves. Like, who am I, who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's not that big of a deal to, to just be generous everywhere we go. Squander God's time on eternity. Like, you all, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. God gave that to you. Somebody here is a nose. You are a spiritual nose. And like if, if you're at home and you're a spiritual nose and you're not connected to the body, that's just gross. It's just gross. Come, boom, boom, boom. Imagine this nose, like, and you're sniffing everybody else's stuff, right? Why are you sniffing? Because you're causing trouble everywhere you go. You know why? Because you got to get connected to the body, or else your part of the body makes no sense. Okay, so, so we need to squander God's time on eternity. Don't let the fear, don't let the fear of temporal things, even COVID, stop you from coming and serving others as a part of the body of God. I think we need to do that. We, we are safe here. We take safety precautions. But don't let fear stop you from serving God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And he's not talking to pastors. He's talking to everyone. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, anything you do, it, there, there's, there's this payback. It's the, there's your entrance into God's happiness, the joy of helping others. And also it just lasts for eternity. Throw yourself into prayer. Just throw yourself into prayer, people. I... It, I can't believe that, that we're not praying all the time. And I know we are our praying church. I know we do that. I know we pray a ton during the service. And, and we have our, our, our prayer summit. Man, that prayer summit, I would wish it to be filled. I wish that temporary things would not stop us from coming together as a church to pray. I, I wish we would go, okay, but I could be doing, well, yeah, could you put that aside for one hour, one hour a month? It's the last Sunday night of every month. Can we, can we come together and pray? 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is near. The, the end of all things is near, people. I don't know how many moments you have on this planet. I don't know how many moments until Jesus comes back. The end of things, all things is near. Therefore, therefore, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Here's what he says. Be alert. Okay, God, what, what's, what are you doing right now? And be sober of mind. In other words, push the distractions out. So that you may pray. So push the distractions out. Yeah, I know. My pipe is leaking. My roof is too. Okay, we're going to get those fixed. But that, I, that, I can't be about that. I, I know I, there's so many things that are, are vying for me to be angry about. So many things vying for my attention. I'm going to be sober of mind. I'm going to be alert to what you want because you want me to pray, God. You want me to pray. 
so 2 Corinthians 4.18, and, and we'll end up with this, and I'll ask our worship team to come on up. It says this, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Eternal. I just want us all to be able to invest in eternity. Before we start this school year, before we get going, can we all say, God, how do you want me to invest in eternity? Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, come. Come and breathe fresh air into our lungs again. Wake us up to what you are doing. Help us to be alert to what you are doing and what you want us to do. To love others, to help others, to just to be generous everywhere we go. To be able to serve you. To be able to pray. God, as we start this whole fresh start season and we talk about your goodness. And there, there's people that need you. They need to know your peace. They need to know your joy. And they just need a smile from somebody. They just need a, a, a hand. And... God, use me, God, use me, and allow me to invest in eternity. God, don't let our lives be distracted and taken away. Oh, God, it is so good and happy and wonderful to be used by you. As we worship, God, I pray that you would be the convictor, that you would be the one, you would be the one to... To say, okay, this is what I want you to do now. This is what I want you to do. Lord, please, show us, steer us. Show us, steer us. To be used by you to a hurting world. God, use us. Help us to listen to you, what you would want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.